Hey everyone and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 66 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I get to talk to Jesse Attard, who is the CEO of Tactic Studios, and he's currently working on a game called Immortal Empire, which is a top-down strategy game that mixes XCOM and Diablo and Dota elements. It's currently in the middle of its Kickstarter campaign, and it seems really, really neat, so I hope you go check it out. Also, hope you enjoy the interview. If you'd like to find out more information about Immortal Empire, then you can check out all of the links that we have in the show notes for this episode on darkstation.com. If you'd like to know when other stuff like this is going up, then you can follow us on Twitter. We are darkstation underscore com. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast. We're the Darkcast, and we're on iTunes. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that podcast at darkstation.com. Now, thank you for listening, and on with the show. on the Darkcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and thank you guys for having me here. Oh, no problem. No problem. So, I hear that it is uh, Thanksgiving there, and you are full of turkey, so that is good. Uh, don't <laughs> fall asleep. Um, don't don't let the trip to fan hit you too bad. Yeah, uh, I, I've heard that's a myth, actually, the, that whole thing, that there's no like more of that stuff in turkey than there is in like chicken or anything. It's really? just That's correct. Yeah, you have a... to consume like 16 turkeys, and by then you'd be dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it's just a lot of food, because I always feel that way after like a big meal, especially if it's lunch, then it's just like, and it's nap time. Yeah, that's that's actually basically what they said. It's that that at uh, Thanksgiving people just overeat, and that's why they they just uh, incorrectly associated this with turkey. Huh. But yes, I am full of turkey, which actually makes me ready for this even more. I'm not sure why, but but it does. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Stuffed with an empire's worth of turkey. <laughs> Stuffed with knowledge about a video game that might have to do with an empire. Something. <laughs> that's good because turkeys are notoriously dumb. So that's. You know. Oh my god! Yeah, my, and apparently, my parents, according to my wife, mean. Yeah, there my parents uh, live on a um, on a property that backs onto uh, like uh, I don't know the woods, I guess, and uh, they have turkeys, like wild turkeys back there, and um, they so the turkeys, which are huge, by the way, I don't know if you've seen one up close, but they're quite big, and they got like huge like dinosaur claws on them. And um, uh, they rammed into their their basement windows. Like, yeah, it's like they see their reflection in the window and they think it's like another turkey. And then they like charge at them with and all they their immediately strength. want to charge it. So right now yeah. we're going to lay out there that turkeys are the meanest thing in Canada. They're, well, I don't know about that because we have bears and stuff. But like... Mm. The uh, the turkeys are yeah they're they're pretty vicious and like I swear I thought this thing was gonna like smash through the glass like it was hitting it pretty hard and uh, and you'd think that like it would hit the window and be like hey that's probably not another turkey it's just it's you know it's a window but no <laughs> nope. apparently they, they will just continually bash themselves into the into the window so that, yeah that guy that guy hit me yeah <laughs> I gotta get him <laughs> he knows all my moves yeah. It's it's like Dark Link. It's a but in turkey form. Must <laughs> die. 
<laughs> you don't you know you don't really think about turkeys as ramming into things. That seems really odd. Yeah, I'm not like a turkey expert, so this is just based on my my experience sure. hey. with this. But but uh, yeah, apparently this is the thing they do. So uh, is that going to be an enemy in um in Immortal Empire where turkeys just like kind of try to ram you? Yeah, that I mean that's a pretty good idea. We can make like more turkeys. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there aren't any currently, but yeah, we could we could do that. All right, good good to know. Good to know. Well, uh, before we get talking about um, Immortal Empire and the obviously now like set in stone edition of ramming turkeys, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, who you are and, and what you do at Tactic Studios. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my name is Jesse, and I'm the CEO of Tactic Studios. Um, this is a very tiny, tiny company, so uh, we actually have two like official employees and, and a number of um, people that we collaborate with regularly, the like contractors and such. And uh, yeah, I kind of do uh, like a bit of a, a bit of everything. I'm a, like a jack of all trades. Like professionally, I'm a programmer, but um, I've had to pick up lots of other things along the way so I've done like audio uh, recording and uh, and Foley sound effects and uh, I wrote all the music in the game and I've done artwork so the pixel art that was in the how game many, uh, How many vegetables were crushed in order to simulate sound in Immortal Empire? <laughs> Zero although um, you, I, I, there's a video that a couple of my friends did called Veggie Abuse which you may have seen years ago um, where they crush a lot of uh, videos, but uh, but I, I did I did a video on how I made a lot of the sounds. It's on it's on our blog. So if you want to see me, um, you know, using various uh, implements to to make uh, the sounds in Immortal Empire, then uh, yeah, you should check it out. Absolutely, I, I I love stuff like that. There was a video that came out uh, a couple weeks ago about the I want to say it was the dude who did the sound for uh, the Evil Within. Oh yeah, and it was just him and a whole like picnic basket full of weird foods like <laughs> like wet noodles and stuff just biting into them in a microphone and then twisting the sounds and stuff <laughs> wild i love that stuff oh it's really cool yeah most of the things like that i did because i did work with another guy who did a bunch of the sounds but the most of the things that i did did not involve anything messy so yeah unfortunately none of that stuff Sim- but it, simplest sound yeah <laughs> what, what's the simplest sound the simplest sound, well, I, one of the easiest ones to do was just um, like purchasing items, for example. So I just took a bunch of coins and jingled them around in my hands and dropped them on stuff. So, and you know what? That sounded pretty good. Like, like originally, I was under the impression that I would just go and like get like a CD full of pre-built sounds, and um, yeah, you know, it just took forever to try and find like that exactly the sound I needed. Like, you'd, I wanted it sounds simple, right? Like just coins splashing. Uh, you know, into other coins, so that you know the sound you make when you buy something, like "jing" or whatever. And uh, it was remarkably difficult to find. So I was like, you know, why don't I just coins are the sounds? You're an independent. You're an independent game maker. How hard was it to find the coins? The actual coins. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what's funny is uh, I have like this jar of coins that I just keep from every time I go to the states. Uh, you know, you get American currency, and uh, you can't spend it here in Canada. So I just like added to this jar of coins, and so I had tons of them. Did you find that you liked? Um, I don't know the sound of like quarters versus pennies, or 
the sound of Canadian coins, which I have no idea what they're called. What what are Canadian coins called? Do you have well, coins? I assume you have coins. We do, yeah. Okay. They're very similar to the American ones. <laughs> they're basically the same thing. We got the okay. dimes, nickels, and everything. But okay. we do have bigger... We have loonies, which are $1 coins, and we have toonies, which are $2 coins. Um, so that's a little special to Canada, but... Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I just took a handful <laughs> of, kind of coins and dropped them on a thing. And, so and I, you don't have, like, a Canadian soundtrack for, it's like, this is the official Canada version, <laughs> only Canada coins were used uh, in the only, making only of Only loonies and toonies were spent but, uh, yeah, for, uh, I'm sure for this it would, game. It would, probably would sound different, yeah, because uh, they're a little bigger, but um, no, sadly, there's only <laughs> only one version for everyone, yeah. Um but you know what? I, I was surprised at how quickly I got the sound I was looking for, you know, and that was kind of the big lesson I learned from that. It's like, why would I spend hours snooping around the internet trying to find free, because that's obviously what I was looking for, or even paid sounds that sound exactly like jingle, like jing or whatever, and yeah, it was much, much easier just to like grab a microphone and drop coins on the thing and certain, you know, right away I had the sound I wanted, so... Next game, that's definitely what I will do. I'll just go straight to the Foley and, and skip, you know, snooping around the internet. <laughs> uh, so obviously, you do um, a, a lot with the game, uh, kind of being a, a two-man studio. Uh, but how did you said you got started with uh, programming? Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm I got my computer science degree years ago, and um, uh, you know, professionally as a programmer. So I worked in a bunch of software development companies for a while, and then um, I got my first job at Ubisoft um, back in, like, Xbox One and PS2 days. And uh, worked there, did a bunch of gameplay and AI programming for them. And then I moved to Capcom, which... Uh, Capcom Mobile, which is a mobile... Uh, like, the mobile version of, of Capcom for all of North America. And uh, so I was a, a studio manager there, so... Um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. We made a bunch of different games, uh, games you wouldn't even think would come out of Capcom. Like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was one. And yep, yep, didn't know that which, came out of Capcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Capcom owns that game weirdly. And um, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? If you remember that show and things like that. And of course the classics. We did. I did Street Fighter Two and um, Resident Evil. We did a Mega Man Two game, uh, Dead Rising, Lost Planet. Like all the. That's when those games were coming out. All that sort of stuff. This was like pre-iPhone days. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of programming there, but, but mostly just kind of manager, managerial-y type stuff. And uh, and then from there, uh, yeah, I went to, into console development again at Digital Extremes, where I was a lead programmer and technical director. So we um, made a bunch of games there. I worked on Dark Sector, um, Bioshock, Bioshock 2. I really and... liked Dark Sector. I'm like did the you really? one person... <laughs> I actually really enjoyed that game. Did you really? Yeah, it's not, it's not that bad, you know? I uh, yeah, I should have gone back the, and met That it. was the one with the glaive? Yeah. Yeah, the glaive. Right, I never That's played right. that. Yeah. And uh, it had Lex Luthor from Smallville as the, the main... You are right. Yeah, actor. yeah. That's... Wow. You guys have a good, good memory. Um, yeah, so I worked, on, I worked on that game. I worked on Dark Sector, did programming for that. And then, uh, yeah, Bioshock PS3 and uh, Bioshock 2... Um, I worked on the Star Trek game that came out, um, which probably like less than Dark Sector, I'm guessing. And uh, what else did I do? I worked on Darkness 2. Uh, anyways, a bunch of games and yeah. uh, for digital extremes. And then, um, yeah, last year I was like, you know what? I want to do this thing full time. Um, so uh, yeah, now I'm trying to like make the video games by myself, basically. With you know, not not completely by myself, but. 
uh, with with other people, uh, a small team of people by myself, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Very cool. So, um, was it just kind of the desire to get kind of out of the the shackles of you know I don't, I don't know the machine uh, in a sense, or what kind of drove you to 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 do your own thing? Well, yeah, I had been working on this uh, project in my spare time for a while, actually, and um, yeah, I. Uh, I could actually started writing it back in like 2007 and slowly was just trying to keep up my programmer skills while I was doing more managerial type stuff at work and uh, built this little game engine for the web and um, made Immortal Empire and released kind of a half version of it back in 2010 and then in 2013 we released like version 1.0 and uh, you know so I had been doing it all all the while and uh, and you know I loved working on big games too but you know, just uh, DE started to focus more on on Warframe, which was a cool game, but just uh, not really my style. And uh, uh, and, and furthermore, um, yeah, like I, I was looking at the other companies to work at, and, and you know, I got a few offers from other companies, but I just, you know, they just didn't really sit well with me. I was like, you know, at some point, I've got to try to start my own company. That's what I've always wanted to do. Is Design games and create them myself, uh, rather than just kind of be you know one person in a in a very big company or or even mid sized company. So um, I figured you know now is a good time. Uh, I'm still reasonably young, and uh, if I don't do it now, then you know I might end up never doing it. If I go to another job or something, then I'm gonna probably work there for another five six years, and then you know what I mean. Like it just it, it would get to the point where I probably would never actually try try at least to start my own company so so that was the main reason really okay very cool very cool so uh it's it's you and who else is the the studio right so uh dave herzog who is uh a good friend of mine from years ago we met in university and uh worked a co-op term which in the states is called an internship i think okay and um yeah so we worked an internship together and uh, yeah, we were friends, and you know, friends through university. And uh, once I was at Capcom, I hired him on at Capcom, and uh, we worked together there. And we had a great working relationship. Um, and then you, you, years later, he quit Capcom. Uh, and then I was like, "Hey, do you want to maybe work together on a project?" And he had this this game idea he wanted to do, which was uh, kind of like a updated version of VGA Planets. I don't know if you ever played that game, but um, it's kind of like a Master of Orion type uh, 4X game in space. Um, okay. And uh, so we wanted to make that, and I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. You know, it's actually kind of similar to the Immortal Empire to a certain extent. You could probably use the game engine. Did you want to use it? And he said, sure. So I gave him the game engine, and uh, he started building this game, and we were kind of working on that together. Uh, and then eventually, um, in 2013, I was like, you know, I think we're going to do this full time, and he was like, that sounds awesome. So we, we actually changed up that project. That project got put on hold, and we um, are starting something new, which is not announced yet. But uh, but I can briefly say it's like a, a full 3D first person puzzle game. So uh, yeah, we we modified the game engine to have a full 3D renderer and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we're we're going to try and uh, build ourselves like a, a badass uh, first person game. And it's it's using the same engine that you're doing the the 2D top down like turn based. Sort yeah. of, I mean heavily I mean, heavily it, modified. Obviously. Sure, but I mean the I mean because uh, one of the things in your 
uh, Kickstarter is kind of talking about wanting to make that engine available for, for anybody to be able to use. Uh, and it seems pretty cool because you can edit stuff pretty quickly. Like, you can do a lot of changes on the fly. Is that some of the stuff that you're trying to, to carry over into the, the first-person version? Like, how, yeah, so how does the, that work? The, yeah, the 3D engine is, is pretty different. Like, I'd say... Yeah, I'd say we'd actually treat them as two different entities, honestly, if okay. we were to, if we were to publish them. Gotcha. Um, but but it was, the 3D engine was based off of the 2D one. So you know, if you use the 2D one, you would be familiar with the 3D one, pretty reasonably comfortable with the 3D one. But uh, yeah, so the the 2D one, it's like uh, that you're talking about the map editor. So the map editor has you know like tools that help you very rapidly place entities and and connect fringe tiles for tile-based games like uh, isometric games or top-down games or something like that. And uh, it has a ton of other... That's only a small bit of the features, honestly, of it, of the of the game engine. And it, yeah, we, we just thought, you know, there's only so many choices for game engines out there, and, and the choices that are available are very good. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, Unity and Un- Unreal Engine and CryEngine being the sort of main three are, are very, very good. But uh, there's nothing that's 100% free that we think is on caliber with those particular game engines, and we thought, yeah, we could we could probably build that. Having worked on game engines in the past, we're very familiar. I'm, I'm very familiar with Unreal Engine and uh, and a lot of other game engines like Digital Extremes, proprietary game engine. So, um, yeah, we thought, yeah, we could probably build one of these. So uh, so we did, <laughs> and. Uh, it's it's certainly not up to UE4 quality yet or anything, but uh, it's it's pretty good. Like it does quite a bit of stuff, and um, we're pretty proud of it. So we thought, yeah, let's let's see if we can make this free for for other devs to use, and that way there'll be a 100% free, 100% open source option for people, and uh, you know maybe that uh, will make a difference to other devs out there. Yeah. Awesome. So. Uh, enough of kind of all that stuff, I guess. Um, wh- what is Immortal Empire? That's that's kind of what we're actually here to, to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, uh, yeah, Immortal Empire. <laughs> Immortal Empire is a turn-based strategy game uh, and RPG uh, that's fully multiplayer. So if you've played uh, XCOM, which is the one that we like to refer to, XCOM and Diablo is the, the main two com- combination that we like to refer to so that people have a very quick reference for the game and uh, yeah so it's a tactical based strategy game you have you know tiles and time units for your units and um, uh, you progress through various different levels uh, combating enemies and you kill them for the fat loots and then you use the loots to equip your characters and uh, there's a storyline and yeah, all that sort of stuff that you get in, in basically basically any RPG. Um, but I guess what makes it different, one thing, is that it's fully multiplayer. So um, if you've ever wanted to play XCOM co-op or um, play you know, XCOM against uh, your buddies or something like that, then uh, yeah, this is what provides that. And then in addition to the kind of strategy elements you get with a game like XCOM... Um, there's also a whole RPG side to it as well. So you have persistent characters that level up and you know get equipment and gear, and then uh, and then the final thing that's sort of unique about it is uh, is this, this Dota element to it too. So me and Dave are both big Dota fans, and and Heroes of New Earth and League and all the kind of MOBA big MOBAs that are out there now. 
And uh, so the, the characters themselves have uh, a large number of spells, and they're very unique uh, to the characters. So um, when you're in the, the combat mode uh, in a turn-based strategy game, you can use all these various different spells, kind of like uh, kind of like Dota. So um, yeah, it's this weird combination of uh, XCOM, Diablo, and, and Dota, and it actually turned out to be pretty fun. So. If you play the game like XCOM, you're basically moving around and using one or two abilities in, in the newer XCOM and no abilities in the old XCOM and just blasting enemies. Well, here you've got a lot of spells, so you can cast like AOE abilities and silence people and like pull them closer and go invisible or lay traps on the ground. There's tons of different stuff you can do. So, uh, in, a, in a tactical setting, we thought that was really, really uh, a cool uh, synergy to make. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that I I, I kind of like how it's drawing from multiple very different but also very iconic games. Like you say, XCOM meets Diablo, and I, I don't know the, that's like wow. Could you could you pick two games that are more different? That's because <laughs> <laughs> you think of um, you know the uh, you think of Diablo being you know very not quite so. Um, I guess to some people that are, you know, playing it on, like, the hardest difficulty for the 12th time, they think about it a lot, <laughs> but for a lot of other people, it's just, you know, button mashing. It's not, there's yeah. not a lot of thought put into it, but yeah. when you combine that with something like XCOM, that's, like, that's all thought. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it no, evens out. Right. It evens out. That's a, that's a middle, that's a nice middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we posted to a few forums about about the game, and people reply back saying stuff like, "I thought those, I thought XCOM and Diablo were mutually exclusive. Like, I don't think you can combine those two things." And <laughs> I'm like, "Well, no, not exactly. You know, it it actually works not bad. I mean, the the, the perspective's the same. They're both isometric perspective games, and um, and the game is faster paced than XCOM. So, in XCOM or Final Fantasy Tactics or Banner Saga or any of the other tactics games, generally, um." You're controlling your units one at a time, and uh, and certainly in X in uh, Banner Saga, for example, or, or Final Fantasy Tactics, um, you control one unit, you move him, then an enemy might move, and then you move another unit, and then enemy move. It's like very one at a time, and mm -hmm. you can't select the order. Um, in XCOM and in Immortal Empire, you can pick any unit you want at any given time, and in Immortal Empire, you can control all units simultaneously. So you can block select them and move them all in one motion and tell them all to attack one thing, so sure. it definitely speeds it up. Yeah. Um, so I want to say the, the first thing I thought about when I saw the video was the old uh, TSR Gold Box games. You um, explain yeah. to me what was there. Okay, so like back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, TSR made a whole bunch of uh, uh, games re uh, revolving around the Dungeons & Dragons franchise that were all came in gold boxes, so they became known as the Gold Box games. And they were basically like turn-based RPGs. Um, but if you ever go back and you look at pictures of them, there's there's a lot of similarities between uh, kind of like the fantasy setting and what you've got going on and just the kind of weird wide-open fights and crazy uh, magic throwing and that kind of thing. So that's that's like kind of on like a much like not new scale, but I think <laughs> that, the, that the heart and soul, you've kind of captured it with the way this looks. That's cool. I, I just wrote that down. I'm going to go... Go uh, check those out. Do what? Yeah, Pop they're real. Stock? They're man, they're old. Is it like uh, <laughs> Nintendo or PC or Commodore? Well, I'll, 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 while while we're talking, I'll look up the thing. I'll see if I can find them for you. Cool. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it was all PC. Oh, PC. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll fact check this uh, 
this podcast while it's going. We'll break the number one rule of podcasting. No, we, we usually don't fact check things, especially in interviews. Uh, we usually just make stuff up as we go. This is cool. uh, unprecedented. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm definitely going to check that out. I love turn-based strategy games. I try to play as many as I can. So, um, yeah, I will definitely, definitely play those. And there you go. Brian had just threw that up in uh, in the chat. Uh, so you can check that out, Jesse. I will. Uh, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, it's... Um, I forgot what I was going to say, but the other thing that... Uh, that oh, yeah, about the, the real-time thing is that it also, it also works in multiplayer, so you can control your units simultaneously, and then if you're co-oping with other people, um, they can move at the same time as you. So it's not like, you know, I make a move, and then you have to wait for three other players to make their moves before you move a single unit again. Like, everyone can move all at once, and then you hit end turn, and then the enemies move all at once, and then it's your turn again. So it's actually pretty fluid, and um, the Diablo part of it also comes from just the level design so if you play a game like Banner Saga uh, which is kind of the most recent tactic game that comes to mind anyways is uh, you know you, you enter combat and there's like a very small arena and you have a limited space where you where you move around and uh, on a grid <clears throat> excuse me in this game it's more like Diablo where you have a more sprawling level with mobs that are placed throughout the level and you kill them and they drop loot for you which you can equip on your character and then the loot system is similar to Diablo 2's loot system where you've got magic items and rares and uniques which we call uh, magic um, oh god uh, the fans are going to kill me if I don't remember on the spot <laughs> <laughs> mythical uh, magic, mythical and the other one divine, divine items so yeah <laughs> you can like enchant them and stuff uh, so uh, there's that whole element too, like Diablo. You can like socket and and put gems in them, and um, uh, you know, kind of customize them to your own uh, your own desires. So you you mentioned uh, the the Dota aspect as well. Um, how how does that kind of incorporate? Yeah, that mostly comes from. Yeah, yeah I just I, I don't know. Just to me, uh, Dota is still like this kind of nebulous. Thing I, I've yet to try to venture into that world because oh, it, yeah. it scares me, honestly. Really? Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, how does that influence the? I, I don't know. I guess once you watch a video of uh, the of Immortal Empires, the XCOM and Diablo parts, the those kind of those make sense. Uh, but what what it is about it that kind of brings those uh, more Dota aspects? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Like. Yeah, I'd say it's more XCOM and Diablo than it is Dota, but at the same time, uh, you'll definitely feel the Dota vibe if you played Dota. Like the the main there's a few things. The main thing is the is the Immortals themselves, um, and the and the payment model. So uh, if you uh, the Immortals themselves, rather than being like a dude with a sword, a girl with a sword, a dude who's a mage, a girl who's a mage, like we try to come up with more wild ideas, which you see in games like Dota. So. Um, you know, there's a berserker who's a giant lizard man, or there's a living tree, and there's um, a tiger ninja, and you know what I mean? Like, we try to come up with things that are a little more wild, and then also the abilities are similar to the types of abilities you see in Dota. So, uh, Dota, you've got three regular abilities and one ultimate ability, which was lifted from Warcraft 3, and um, they have a certain kind of vibe to them. You know, they're, oh, this ability stuns, or that ability... 
uh, does critical strike, and and this one uh, is like a self buff, right? And the ultimate might be a big AOE damage thing. So like that's sort of the vibe of that character, and uh, ours are the same thing, and we've just like doubled up the abilities. So there's six regular abilities and two ultimates, and and they're kind of similar. So you have you know range stuns and AOE abilities and and buffs and debuffs and all that sort of thing. So we just love the kind of gameplay that you see in uh, in Dota, where you know you get these really crazy scenarios uh, where, when you've got ten units that all have unique, completely unique abilities, mm-hmm. and we thought that was really really cool. So we built our uh, characters around that same system, and that also works perfectly with the type of payment model we have, which is uh, like a free to play. Uh, with microtransactions payment model. So, you know, there's a certain number of them are unlocked by default, and then you can unlock more premium immortals, which are basically, you know, the same type of... Uh, they're not like they're premium in the sense that they're more powerful, but just, you know, the ones that are locked out from, from the beginning. So that's the Dota aspect uh, of the game. Very nice. Now, random question. Um, how many times have you seen the giant tree... Uh, immortal named Groot. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I should check the database. <laughs> you know that that's a pretty recent movie, so I don't know. But I guess is it's based on a comic, is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know what? There probably is one. I, I should check the DB. I'm guessing uh, there there might be one, and it's a popular character too because it's a it's a pretty badass character. So i should see if there's any any group characters although I, nothing comes to mind i haven't seen anybody with uh with that before okay well uh, if you don't have them now then prepare you you will have many uh. <laughs> yeah yeah with the with the movie being so popular i'm sure the there's gonna be more people coming on with with that one so for for past listeners of this uh this interview cast um they will know that i'm a person who loves um, ridiculous lore. Um, what is going on that is causing these immortals to uh, go out into the world and, and, and push it on their will? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Or push their will out upon it. Yeah, yeah. So the um, so storyline stuff. So the storyline is actually pretty long, and, and the, the gameplay for the um, the RPG element is is pretty in depth. Um, how do I? I don't want to give away too much. So. So the main thing is that the immortals are uh, these characters that can die, um, but when they die, they resurrect. So that's what makes them immortal, effectively. And there are these people who create the immortals, and they're called elders. So each immortal is bound to an elder. So the immortal can take certain people that have certain characteristics and perform this ritual with them, and then they become immortal. And when they become immortal, they've got two forms. They have their regular form where they're just people. And then they can turn into immortals, which and that's when you can like morph into this giant tree, for example. Um, so all the combat in the game, for example, you're in your immortal form, but outside of that, when you're not in combat, you're in your human form. And, and then, you're yeah, you're just like any other person. You can talk to people and, yeah, just kind of be regular and, and not a tree, <laughs> for example. <laughs> so... Um, so why are they doing this? So uh, your story is a, is a bit different from most immortals, but basically the Empire, which is like, you can think of like the Galactic Empire from Star Wars or something, they recruit these immortals, which are fairly rare, uh, to be part of their military. So um, 
you, when you become immortal, your like memory is wiped, like like a Templar or something like that. Your memory is wiped. You don't know where you came from. In some in some cases, there are people who are became, you know turned immortal against their will and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you're just you're thrown into the army, right? Because you have no memory of your past, so you don't uh, you don't really you know know anyone. And so they figure, ah, we'll just throw these guys in our army. And of course, they're very strong in your army because uh, you can't die permanently. So okay, okay. So there's there's the, I was going to ask if it, my next question was so is immortal more a title like you know Xerxes's army or is yeah. it an actual state of being like these guys do not die? Yeah, they don't die, sort of. So. <laughs> So you do die, and then you resurrect, but um, uh, you're bound to your elder. So when your elder, who is human, when they die, then you lose your immortality. So you can still kind of convert into your immortal form, but now when you die, you're dead permanently. So to get to get this really nerdy, the elder's kind of like a phylactery with your immortal serving is kind of like a lich. You destroy the phylactery, eventually the lich will die. That is right. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. okay. Wait, can, can you say that again in some other kind of speak? Please. <laughs> yes, okay, so liches are are undead wizards who store their souls in horcruxes or phylacteries. Yeah. For lack of a better term. And, Harry and Potter. So, you know, exactly, yeah, you know, we'll work Potter. it in. We'll talk to pop culture. We'll get the kids listening. Uh, so, yeah, we they tend to hide those that people can't destroy them. So, you know, when you destroy them, you take out the lich. It's kind of that same thing. Okay. Kill the soul, not the body. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That, I, I got that. I got that. And to make things even more complicated, <laughs> the elders... So the elders are typically mages, usually. Um, but when they, be, they also have to become elders. So uh, when they go through their ritual to become elders, they lose most of their magic except for the ability to teleport which is called portaling in the game. So um, most mages, if they're good mages, can teleport uh, short distances, like, like a blink ability from Warcraft or, or uh, Dota. But um, if you're a elder, you can portal incredibly large distances. So you can go like all the way across the land. Um, and all of this lore is centered around these giant um, obelisks that are strewn about the uh, the world called spires and the the kind of the secret to the immortals and the secret to these elders existence is bound to these spires so when you teleport you're always teleporting to a spire and uh, when you resurrect you resurrect at a spire and it's and the in the the world it's not even really clear who made these things uh, where do they come from um, why do they have this unusual effect and uh, and that's sort of the some of the mysteries that you start to uncover as you as you play through the game, as what what is this kind of ancient ancient race that created these things, and um, and and why did they do that, uh, as well as the player the protagonist storyline. So so you as you go through you start to find out more about yourself and uh, the player has a pretty cool storyline. So I kind of want to say what it is, but it is a bit of a. Uh, Spoiler! It's an early spoiler. It's something you find out fairly early in the game, but it is kind of a cool moment. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't say. Okay, that's that's fine. Let it stand. Let it stand. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um. So the if your elder dies, like, is is that a a gameplay thing that can happen where you get like permadeath, or is that more of a is that used more for story purposes? Yeah, it's a story thing. So okay. the the being that they can teleport anywhere, virtually anywhere very rapidly. Uh, they're wily critters, so you can't really kill them too easily. So okay. <laughs> anytime you go to kill them, you're just like, ah, zing, I'm gone, and you, and you, and you can't kill them. So okay. 
Um, generally, these guys die in their sleep is, is the main way, or they die of old age or sickness or, or kind of natural causes. But if people no want chance to... you could kind of hold up a mirror and just watch them slam into themselves, right? <laughs> I'm sure the odd elder has just like accidentally walked off a cliff and, and died, but then they can just cast a portal and you know, yeah, and catch yeah. themselves before they hit the bottom. That's yeah, so um, yeah, they got they're they're pretty hard to kill. So that's 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 the good part. And often you're not really even sure who's an an elder and who's not, right? Because they just look like regular people. Mm. Um. So yeah, these guys can can typically live pretty reasonably normal lives. Other than that, they're bound to these immortals, and and that's a good kind of symbiotic relationship because, of course, they can create these portals and like send the immortals to various uh, areas in the world and conduct wars or like assassination attempts or whatever else these these types of uh, guys are are very good at doing. Um, so and so immortals... elders can transport other people as well, not just themselves? Exactly, exactly. Okay. They open up portals for their immortals or, or for anyone. So they help, like, transport armies for the uh, oh. for the Empire and, and things gotcha. like that. Yeah, one person at a time, but you know what? Eventually, those guys will, will get over there. So. But so, so these are, like, portal portals, not just, like, you disappear and reappear, but we're, we're thinking with portals here. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like, if you think of, like, the game portal portal, like, yeah, you have an opening and you have an end point, and the end point is always the, uh, like, the spire, like I mentioned, and then, yeah, you just open one up and, whoop, and you end up at the, at a destination spire, and then you, you're off, off to the races. So it's, 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 it's kind of nice in the sense that you can't just, like, warp someone into your bedroom, for example, unless you built your house around one of these spire thingies, which I would not recommend, but, uh, but yeah, they're, um, for the, for the most part, um, you 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 end up in the woods somewhere because okay. people don't like to be in the middle of these things. Though there are a few main ones in like major cities and things like that where you, where you can go. Okay, gotcha. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of lore. Like there's 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 six characters that you encounter, and there's a lot of history to the game. And uh, if you're a lore guy and you like uh, and you like that element of RPGs, uh, there's there's definitely a lot there to sink your teeth into. Good stuff. Good stuff. So um, now, now one of the reasons that we're having our interview here on Canadian Thanksgiving is because you are in the throes of your Kickstarter to, to fund right. the game. That's right. That's right. And like turkeys, we stop for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, <laughs> yeah. The, so the Kickstarter campaign. Um, obviously, I, I probably haven't mentioned this in the in this particular interview, but uh, it is on the you know, kind of proudly announced in the Kickstarter game. Mortal Empire is actually already released, so we have a browser version of the game, browser based game, Immortal Empire, uh, and it's out, and you can play it, and and it's free. So yeah, you should try it out. And uh, the Kickstarter campaign uh, is actually to make a downloadable version uh, of the game. So we were greenlit on Steam back in July, and uh, we thought it would be really, really cool to make a like a high quality, real downloadable game. And, and you know what I mean, right? Like you go into a browser, you got your Firefox or your Chrome or whatever you're running up, and um, it just doesn't really feel the same as a downloadable game where you can go full screen and high res and um, you have so much more space and memory and performance uh, to to make a game so you can do a lot more with a downloadable game and we, we thought you know when once we were greenlit I was like hmm I could just port this over as is and I'm like but it would be really cool to make like an awesome 
like a high quality version of this game before we go into Steam. But then I'm like, I don't know if I can afford that. Maybe we should do a Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. hence the Kickstarter was born. So awesome. So now one of the things that I don't know to some people it might seem like, well, you've already got the game done, so why have a Kickstarter? Uh, but one of the things that's kind of neat to me is is actually one of the perks is if you back the game now, it, all of the things that you're backing, you can actually go and redeem. Like now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like with all the Kickstarters out there, not all of them, but the few that, um, you know, fail or or just kind of go into nowhere or you have to wait years before you see your, your rewards or before you can even play the game... Uh, in this instance, yeah, you can redeem your rewards immediately. So, uh, I mean, once the campaign ends, anyways. But, uh, um, yeah. So if you back, you can you can go on and uh, and and try out your stuff basically right away. And uh, and then once we make the Steam version, you can move your account over to Steam. So there's really no reason not to to try it early, unless you just want to wait for the the good, the big experience when when if the campaign uh, is successful. So. So, um, so you mentioned that you know you're wanting to to bring this to to computer, but what what exactly are people funding when they, uh, when they back the Kickstarter? When when they back Kickstarter, yeah, it's a good question. Um, there's you know there's there's just so much stuff we could do. Like the the this, it's all detailed on the on the Kickstarter page, obviously. But the um, uh, the the, the so main kudos first thing. for your pie chart as well. I yeah, <laughs> thanks, cherry pie, delicious, delicious cherry pie chart. Yeah, the um, uh. The the main thing, the first thing I want to do is just make it feel like a downloadable game, right? Like I don't right now, it's an eight hundred by six hundred resolution game, which is very small uh, as it, it, compared to you know what you would get with a typical downloadable game. Uh, so I want to up the res, uh, which is not as easy as it sounds, and uh, you know revamp the UI so that the UI looks good at that higher resolution, uh, allow it to go full screen. Um, uh, I, actually, one of the main things I wanted to do, one of the big things, was voice the characters. So in a browser, uh, you only have so much space. I mean, technically you have unlimited space, but people get annoyed if they want to go play a browser game and it takes time to download because they want it to be instantaneous. And many, most browser games are, right? You go to a browser, it's up immediately, and you can play it. But um, So we limited ourselves to 15 megs for the main download of the game. And with 15 megs, I mean... You just—it's hard to cram a ton of audio and graphics and code all into that amount of space. Uh, and a downloadable—I mean, you download any game now; it could be like two gigs or three gigs or something crazy. Um, so yeah, we could do fully voiced characters. We could you know, increase the resolution of the artwork. Um, you know, it will, for one thing, what we definitely want to do is increase the quality of the music and all the sound effects. They're at like 22 kilohertz, eight uh, bit. Uh, audios uh, non-stereo so yeah I mean we had to, to take all to do all these sacrifices to make sure that it would fit in this tiny little uh, amount of space we had in the browser and we yeah we, why don't we do like full CD quality stereo um, music and uh, and sound effects so that uh, that's the main main thing I want to do as the, as the minor stretch as the minor goal uh, and there's obviously stretch goals in there too to do uh more gameplay-related things and, and buff up the game for uh, some of the uh, existing users who've you know beaten everything and seen everything there is. Uh, we wanted to create some stretch goals in there for for them too. Nice. <clears throat> so, uh, 
what are uh, what are some of the rewards that backers will get if they back uh, Immortal Kingdom? Yeah, I, I so know. they're yeah they're everything. Sorry. Yeah, Immortal <laughs> Empire. There's, <laughs> there's there's everything from like uh, unlocking the, the Immortals, which is the main kind of purchasing mechanism in the game, um, like League or uh, like Dota. So I guess not Dota, Dota, but uh, Heroes of New Earth does does it like that, and. Um, so that's sort of the main, like, hey, you get the game. So here, you got all the guys unlocked. So that's the the base levels, and then we get a lot of in-game rewards, like custom colors for your character that no one else can have, and custom weapons that are unique to Kickstarter backers. And we have a couple cool ones actually, where you can design your own color scheme or design your own weapon. So if you want, like, a wild turkey for a weapon, for example, because I hear they're vicious. Um, wild nasty, turkey battering nasty <laughs> animals. Yeah, <laughs> then yeah, we we can draw you up a wild turkey and you can um, beat people with it. So you know, things like that. So uh, and then of course we've got the obligatory T-shirt and hoodie and, uh, and the physical rewards at the, at the higher tiers for those people who like it. And we have a couple of the like the super high tiers, which uh, you know who knows if if anyone will will go for that. But um, things where you can design your own immortals or design game features for us, uh, which we thought would be really cool to put in. So. Um, yeah, if you want, if you've ever always wanted to like create one of those Dota type characters and have it actually show up in a game, there's some higher level tiers for for those people to uh, stretch their design muscles. Awesome, that's that's really cool. A lot of times, you know, when you uh, if you're gonna design something, put it in a game in a Kickstarter, it's like, hey, you get to have like a picture on a wall somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We That's figured we wanted neat. to go a little further than that, and and let people actually design a character or design a feature for the game. And uh, and you know that's something that we we try to throw in for our existing users too, because we know by looking at our wiki, we've got people that will come up with their own immortal ideas. And we thought, hey, well, you know, here's an opportunity. You really want to back the game? You really like it? Maybe club, you know, join in with a couple of your friends and you know, get enough money to hit that higher tier, and you can collaborate and, and design an actual character in the game. Yeah. Look, skills, and everything. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's awesome. So, um, one question that I, I kind of just now thought of, but, um, you know, being a browser-based game, uh, it makes sense to, to be free, because there'd probably be a lot of people that'd be like, why are you charging me to, to play a game that I'm not really downloading? Right. Uh, but going into having it be a you know a, a full downloadable title that you can play through Steam and everything, uh, what kind of makes you want to go the uh, kind of remain that free to play you know buy to unlock more characters to to play with route? Yeah, yeah, that was a tough call, and, and honestly, it's been a tough call for this project from day one, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I originally like way back, I always envisioned it as just being you buy the game and you and you play it and everything's unlocked and, and that's that um, and uh, when we first were looking at it this was when the whole free-to-play craze was just starting and and actually we, we got some bad feedback on the game saying like hey this game should be free especially if you're launching on a browser um, and in many websites like like congregate that we were looking at to distribute on it's not that they won't allow you to have that type of system but the, strongly strongly preferred so 
yeah, that was the approach we took back then because we felt like that was the made the most sense for the audience. But you're absolutely right. And on Steam, I'd say it's less common, um, and certainly for Kickstarters, it's less common too. And um, so, yeah, when I was thinking about doing the campaign and thinking about going to Steam, like, ah, should I just make this? You know, you pay ten bucks or whatever, and you've got everything, or twenty dollars, or some some price tag, and the whole game is unlocked. And uh, the main reason why I ultimately chose not to do that was because it's multiplayer. And um, with multiplayer games, they're just more fun when you've got a lot of people in them. And like it or not, if the game is um, has a paywall right at the very beginning where you can't play it unless you pay, which is you know a lot of games on Steam, then you're going to have a smaller user base, mm-hmm. especially for an independent, a smaller independent game like this, like. Uh, um, and, and and it's the same thing on big games too. You look at Star Wars: The Old Republic, um, fantastic MMO. When they went free to play, you know, they saw a huge spike in, in population. Um, Heroes of New Earth, same thing. You know, they were uh, pay thirty bucks or whatever, and you unlock the game, and then they switched to free to play, and they, they increased in in users. And that was after Dota Two came out. So you got to think like there's something to that theory in terms of making it free just does increase the the volume of users. So, so that's the main reason. Um, the, there's a couple game modes that require multiplayer, uh, kind of like how a raid in an MMO, you, you have to have a group of people to go through and, and beat the raid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this thing called the gauntlet, which is, which is like that, and it requires people. And you know, if there's no users to play with, then you can't play that whole section of the game. And same with PvP, obviously. So, so I just thought, you know, let's just make it free, and if you want to unlock all the characters, it's it's you know, a reasonable ten to, to twenty dollars, or if you only want to unlock one, or you just want to unlock two, then you can do that. So uh, it's it's very reasonable. It's not like you're spending thousands of dollars to to get everything in this game. Um, the the prices tags are are pretty pretty achievable for most people. Sweet, it's <clears throat> very neat. Do it. What did you say? So that was very neat. Oh, I was agreeing with you. It sounds, especially with the when you get into the uh, kind of the the economics of you know like making it free and watching player counts again and all that stuff. It's a real, it's a real kind of fascinating study into kind of what people are willing to do and then what they consider, you know, like like almost bad business. It's like a real, there's a real thin line um, that you can walk, and the, the the people who walk it well um, stand to not only like service their customers well, but also make money in the process. Yeah, it's a tough one for us. That's probably been the most difficult and contentious aspect of this game um, is trying to find things that people actually want to buy without it giving them an advantage. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit, there's no question that you get a slight advantage by having more options available to you, right? Like, you, you get that in League, you get that in, in any game, is that uh, when you have more choices, it gives you an advantage. You know, I play a lot of Hearthstone, for example, and... Um, you know, the people who have only a couple cards are at are unquestionably at a disadvantage to those people who have lots of cards. And how do you get those cards faster? You buy decks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, is it pay to win? A little bit. A little bit it is. But I'm hoping that we've come up with a way that is like Hearthstone, where you can earn all that currency um, without having to pay a cent in-game currency without having to pay real money and uh, and get it at a at a pace that doesn't require you to grind. So that was my main uh, criteria for making sure that our free-to-play system wasn't uh, a system that was uh, 
yeah, purely pay to win or 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 heavily pay to win or uh, or detrimental to the overall game experience for the players. So, because um, because I'm I'm the same. Like I if I go to play Candy Crush or, or any game that has giant paywalls or where all the top players have just have huge wallets, you know, that's incredibly frustrating for me. And um, uh, so I'd much much rather avoid that. And to the point where, like I said, we have considered just kind of completely obliterating that system. But uh, but ultimately, I think we we'll, we've got something here that's reasonably reasonably tolerable. How do you go about trying to to create that balance? Because it, it's always uh, it's always games that don't do that balance well that that lose me on like you know iOS or something where it's like I can play it for a little while, have fun, but then if I want to keep playing, like I have to to pay or you know if I if I want to advance further, you know I I've got to pay and like I I don't want to pay just to advance because yeah. like you know my my time is worth something, but you know it's not fun enough to justify the payment or something like that how do you how do you figure out the 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 balance of, of something like that it's tough i tell you it's very difficult and the main reason why it's difficult is that on a game the scale of a moral empire where we don't have millions and millions of users right we're not dota where we can just sell hats to people and that's enough <laughs> money for us um it basically has to be something that has some sort of in-game benefit those are the things that sell the most is things that that improve your characters or um you know, give you a, a slight advantage or give you more options. Um, those are the things that people buy, and without those things, we would have no money, like literally zero money. So, we try to create things like that. That um, so that the number one thing we try to go for is things that give you more options, because that seems to be the most uh, palatable thing for users, and it's the most palatable thing for me too. So, um, you know, rather than just having you have a choice of five immortals, we give you a choice of thirteen immortals. And no one immortal is is more strong than another. Hopefully, if we balance it properly, mm-hmm. but um, it gives you more choice. So that's the number one thing we try to do. The second thing we try to do is in the game design itself, we try to make sure that um, the strategy and the way that you play is more important than your gear on your character. So, and that's a tough balance to walk as well, right? Because you want your gear to matter. You want to get a new sword, and the sword's more strong, and then your character's more strong. But um, at the same time, we want the game to be more strategy-focused. So, so it's a balancing act, like you said. We, we try to make it like 70% strategy and 30% gear. So, for example, you can buy packs of, of gear in the game. And let's say you had a million dollars and you bought a ton of packs. Okay, odds are you're going to end up with some good items in those packs. But ultimately, are you going to beat somebody that is a better at strategy than you? very unlikely that you will so game design came into it as well and then lastly those randomized packs that's another thing we do so instead of just letting you okay there's a really strong item and you just buy it like I want that one here's my $20 there's the the best item in the game and now I'm the best Mm -hmm. so instead of allowing you to do that instead you buy randomized packs so got just like Hearthstone um, you, you buy a pack you get you know 10 items or something like that you don't know what you're going to get and, uh, you know, the users can get that by just playing the game. Uh, you kill monsters, they drop loot, or you can buy it with, with real money. So it's like a, it like quickens you through the process, it hastens the process, I guess I should say. Um, for those people who don't necessarily have the time, if they got two kids or, um, you know, a full-time job and they don't have the time to spend all day uh, playing the game, then they can just... Uh, 
they can just buy the packs. And, and that's the other thing I should mention too is um, you won't need to spend all day playing this game. There's no paywalls. All the content is uh, is completely unlocked. So you can play from the beginning right through to the end with a full party of immortals. So all five um, are unlocked uh, without paying anything. So and, and it's paced that way too. You're not gonna hit a wall in the middle where it's like I just can't beat this monster because I don't have X that I had to buy with real money. It's never going to happen. You can very easily get through to the game. Well, I shouldn't say easy. The game's somewhat difficult. But using strategy alone, I guess I should say, using your brains and your strategy and your skill as a as a player, you can definitely get through the game without paying anything. And then one more thing, because there's lots to this. <laughs> um, you can also earn the in-game currency by playing. So it's not like some games where you've got the free currency and then you've also got the pay-only currency. Mm-hmm. It's all one currency, um, and you get it by killing monsters. So you go through the game, you kill monsters, and there's little achievement things and challenges you can do to get even more if you want. But generally, by virtue of playing the game, which you you have to kill monsters to play the game, sorry, (laughs) uh, you'll get this in-game currency, and you can earn it at a pretty good rate, too, without grinding. So through naturally playing through the game, you'll for sure have enough to, like, buy a a mortal or two and... uh, pick the ones that you want the most so yeah so is that the same currency that you can buy the the packs with or do you just straight out buy weapons that way as well just like individual weapons so Uh, buying and stuff like that yeah yeah so there is a shop in the store and that's so there's two currencies there's gold and there's radiance okay and uh gold is like the in-game currency that uh that enemies sometimes drop and that's but what buys items straight from the store. Um, and then there's Radiance, and that's earned, like, every second kill, you just get some Radiance. Hmm. And uh, the, the, the store where you buy items directly and the store where you buy packs of items are, are separate. So, okay. so, um, so the two, it's not two currencies where one you earn naturally, the other you pay for, you've got one that's in-game and one that's, like, meta-game. That's right. So okay. both of them you earn in-game through playing... Only gotcha. one you can you can pay for. I guess technically you can kind of convert them, but like for for the most part, yeah, you're you're earning them through in game, and one can be one can be purchased to just give you more of the currency. Okay. Um, so that helps alleviate it as well. Um, and just anecdotally, like we do run tournaments, we do have a ladder system. There is competitive play, um, although I'd say for the most part, most people play through the storyline and the campaign, but. Uh, um, in the in the competitive play that we have had, you know, you look at the top twenty. There's like one guy who's spent anything, and that's consistent with our buy rate. You know, like it's and it's same thing with the top one hundred. It's not like oh well, fifty percent of these people are all paying users, or even eighty, or, or any high number. It's like two percent, which is close to our buy rate. So, um, yeah, and we've never had a paying user win a tournament yet. I'm I'm not saying it won't because they might because they might be also a good player, but um, it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't think that uh, it's giving people a significant advantage to the point where it would ruin the game or anything. So this uh, this kind of breaks away from uh, Immortal Empire a little bit and more to just kind of free-to-play games. Uh, I, f- I feel like there's kind of a mentality with free-to-play games. Is if the game's free-to-play, then you want to figure out if you can game the system and, like, not pay anything <laughs> yeah. and still have a good time. And it's actually kind of surprising that, I mean, like, only 2% of your players, like, buy stuff. Like, oh, that, that's, a, that's good. 
Well, well I know, but that just that <laughs> seems like crazy. Like, how, how do you, how 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 do you eat and you know pay for where you live and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but so with, a, with like, a small game like this, yeah, you, you don't really like this game does not really generate a large amount of sure. revenue. I'll, I'll tell you that straight up, like. We would have more employees <laughs> if if that were the case. Um, no, I, I, honestly, Immortal Empire is is pretty lenient from that perspective. Mm-hmm. We're unquestionably not gouging the players because if we were, then I would be living a much more lavish lifestyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I um, yeah, I mean, I guess, like how do how do I get by? Is that is that what you're asking? Well, actually, no. It was uh, more like why do you think people try to to game? that system it's like oh this is if there's no entry fee then i should try to play it without ever paying anything because <laughs> i don't know when, when i when i play a game even if it's, it's not a game that i continue to pay play i mm. will i'll buy like the 99 cent pack of something it's just like okay sure. i enjoyed this i've spent several hours with it yep. i should give them something uh right. you know it's like but not a lot of people do that why yeah. do you think that is I mean, I, I I don't know how many people are actually trying to game it. I, I'll admit, I do that. I certainly do it with Hearthstone, and um, I have bought a little bit in Hearthstone, just, just like the a couple arenas or something like that. But for the most part, yeah, I'm trying to unlock every card just by playing, and I enjoy the game too. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm happy to do that. Sure. Um, but uh, but why do people do that? I think. I think for the most part, you know, if you don't have to pay, then you're not going to pay, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's no real reason to, if you can, if you can play through the entire game um, and unlock things with just your time, and, you, and you're enjoying the game, and you want to put your time in, then then why would you pay, right? So I think, and that's uh, obviously 98% of people, <laughs> and um, you know, it's just uh, you know a very small percentage, a very tiny minority of people that uh, that don't uh, take that approach. They just—it's uh, almost like a loophole. It's like these these people um, would much rather just kind of take their money that they would earn through their their job, and instead of um, it's so the, like a moral empire, if you play through it kind of normally, is about I'd say forty hours of gameplay. To get yeah. through the campaign without any without getting through multiple difficulty levels <clears throat> and any of the other kind of extra content, um, but you know if you really want to go through like blindingly fast, then yeah, you you take a, you take your money that you earned with your time, presumably, and uh, you can get through the game quicker. You know if you if you spend enough of it. So uh, I mean, there's just a small percentage of people that I think that appeals to them more um, than. Uh, yeah, then then playing it, which which is a little peculiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I, I've, I I don't know uh, anyone personally that that buys a lot of, of free to play things. It's most of my friends are, are like you or or like me, which is you know you'll you'll spend you know kind of a nominal nominal amount like five bucks or ten bucks or something on uh, on a free to play game. Um, you know, I've never met anyone that spent you know thousands of dollars, which which we do not have in Immortal Empire. Let me tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never met anyone like a, a whale, I guess as, as they're called, mm-hmm. that spends these large, vast amount of money on on games, free to play games. Yep, that's uh, that's one thing that's always kind of interesting uh, to hear about is the kind of ethics and just how all that stuff works, the way games can be uh, geared towards that. But it's good that you're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, what, you know, what, if we had people spending thousands of dollars in our game, that would actually make me feel a little weird. Sure, <laughs> it really would. You know, like it doesn't seem right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we're not we're not greedy people at all. Like, we want to be able to pay for the game, which which we barely do. And um, you know, we were making ridiculous amounts of money, be- all from a very tiny fraction of people that are spending enormous amounts. It would just feel weird. And we would probably change uh, the uh, we would probably change the payment system to to correct it. Honestly, hmm. yeah. Yeah, you know, ethics ethics are important to me, generally speaking, and uh, we don't want to be an ethical company at all. And uh, I'll tell you straight up, like our next game is not going the free to play route. We're gonna just make a cool downloadable game, pay once, uh, and, and you have it. <clears throat> and um, uh, yeah, and I can't I can't lie, you know, part of that is because of uh, of the rigmarole we went through with making this free to play game, and and the backlash you get from from those people who are just dead set against it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the stigma that's associated with it, you know, I think we try to try to be reasonably ethical and tre- reasonably good with our game, and uh, despite that, um, you still get people who are like who just see the word free to play and they're like immediately, I do not want to play this game and I'm not interested in it, and um, yeah, that's a, that's a bad bad stigma that we want to avoid. Definitely, definitely. Well, it seems like you're you're doing a pretty good job, not because I don't know how anybody could. Think that way about this game, so. Kudos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, like, like I said, there there are things that will give you tiny advantages, and uh, but, you know, that's that's how most free to play games are, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, do you have any uh, any more questions before we go into the end game? I don't. Let's end game this. Let's, okay. Let's do it. Well, so, actually, uh, I, wait, I've got one more game. Oh. Or one more game. One more question. One more. Question. One more. I know. I'm sorry. Just one more. Yeah, one no, more. Hit me, hit me. So this is the saddest question that I'm ever going to ask. Oh, no. Oh, you got to bring it down before the end game. I have to bring it down before the end game. What happens if you don't make it? What happens if I don't make the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah. Um, I'll probably just port it to Steam as is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I might... uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I could really realistically do... uh, Yeah, I'm probably just going to integrate all the Steam stuff, all the friends lists, all the... uh, um, matchmaking and all the stuff that you kind of need to have a multiplayer game on Steam, which is a reasonable amount, and that's what I was going to do anyways, in spite of the uh, the Kickstarter campaign. But yeah, in terms of like uprising the art or like uprising the audio or yeah, doing any of the, the doing any of that sort of stuff, I mean, I can maybe try <laughs> to do it, but yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So um, it'll mostly likely just kind of be like a port of the browser game. Okay. I'm sorry, Brian. Are you done, Jonathan? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> bring us down. Yep, I'm done. All right. Uh, well, we like to we like to end things here uh, on our interview series with a, a bit of a questionnaire. Sure. Um, it's more focused on you rather than the game, so uh, be prepared it's to, to very think James hard. Lipton of you guys. It's extremely James Lipton of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is precisely where I cribbed the idea from. So please don't <laughs> tell him I have no money. <laughs> well, uh, I might tell him after this. We're, we're yeah, best thanks, friends. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we're gonna, like I said, it's it's more personal. Um, so just you know, be prepared to think, reason stuff out. But uh, starting with question number one, um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Oh, that's a good question. I should have uh, I should have prepared for this. Favorite video game protagonist. Yep. <sighs> Let me think. How long do I have to think about these things? As long as you want. We could edit out any dead space. Okay. Dead air. I'm going to say Bernard, probably from Day of the Tentacle. 
Very nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's probably gonna be my favorite. Yeah, he's he's just he's he's hilarious. Um, and uh, it's one of the, the, the he's really well voice acted for for games of that era. Like I think it was '93 or something when that game came out. And um, you know you don't have very many good voice actors. I mean, you still get bad voice acting in, in games nowadays. So back then it was it was remarkably good and he's hilarious and the game is hilarious and uh yeah yeah he's he's, he's pretty cool so i'm gonna say bernard from data temple very nice okay flipping that coin who's your favorite antagonist antagonist hmm. <sighs> why didn't i see that coming after you asked the protagonist one that seems like an obvious no, no one ever does obvious <laughs> next question Do I go for another point-and-click adventure? Because I, I could go for LeChuck from the Monkey Island series again. And you just, wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> he's, just, he's just such a badass, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to go with, uh, with LeChuck I like that. From, from all the Monkey Island series. It's a good choice. He's got a, a favorable, you know, kind of almost French name. Uh, I like but him. still still strong and manly. <laughs> I like him because he's actually he's, he's almost likable. You know, like he makes jokes, and he's sort of like, like a, a, a character you could like, but at the same time, he's also a bad guy. So, mm-hmm. next question: What's your least favorite trope or theme in video games today? What would you like to see go away? Oh man, these are these are these are good ones. These are good ones. These are good questions. Least favorite trope yeah. in video games. Oh. Uh, I mean, well, uh, the, the big one for me. I'm not a huge violence guy. Um, there's a lot of violence in video games. Um, I, I, it's tough because I would never want because I love shooters and I do I do love the gameplay that comes along with it. I would hate to be for them to be reduced to like tagging people and they just kind of vanish or anything. Like, yeah, you gotta kill people <laughs> from time to time. But at the same time, games that just kind of make violence to to an extreme where that actually becomes the game. Um, that that sort of doesn't really write me the right way. Um, so that's one trope I think I'd like to see uh, go away. At the same time, you know, all the all the kind of feminist uh, tropes that uh, our good friend um, Anita is is bringing to light to us with her videos. You know, those are those are definitely in my face all the time. But uh, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with vi- the violence. All right, all right. That is fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fourth question. Um, there are a lot of mentions of XCOM all throughout your Kickstart. Your... <laughs> all right, let's try this again. There's a I'm lot of mentions of XCOM on your Kickstarter page. Don't. Yeah, that's it's it's worth it to yeah. hear me stumble. Yeah. Um, who or what um, is your favorite XCOM alien, either new or old? New or old. Mm. Let's see. Probably the chrysalids. Yeah, probably the chrysalids. In, in, in both, yeah, they're just such they're just such fucking assholes. Like, they, yes, yes, you know, especially in the old game. The new game, you can. The new game, I found fairly easy. Oh, really too easy, honestly. But the uh, the old <laughs> game, yeah, they were bastards. Yeah, all, all around, absolutely. Yeah, you like you you sit there and you think it's far away, but they have like just ridiculous number of time units, and it's just very slowly doot, 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 walking up to you, and it infects your dude. 
And then that guy bursts out, and he starts infecting your other dudes. And they're strong, too. You can hit them with a couple heavy plasmas, and they won't go down sometimes. Yeah. And um, you lose your entire force to them, and uh, and that's often that's the end of the game for you. <laughs> and if you're trying to play Iron Man, which which I try to do, uh, where you don't just reload every time you, you fail, then, uh, then that can be pretty painful. You have to restart your whole game, and yeah, chrysalids. Yeah. Bastards all around. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, next question. Um, you've made a ton, uh, or been involved with the, a ton of great games, um, and so you're you're absolutely living the dream, especially when you're making your own. Um, is there any other dream you'd like to live? Any other profession you'd love to try? All right, yeah, that's straight at all, James Lipton. Um, let's see. Um, Definitely, I, I, yeah, that's actually not too hard. I'd say uh, writing music, writing music. So. Um, yeah, back before I was a programmer, like in high school, I uh, before I had done any programming, um, I, I thought for sure I was gonna be like a music composer or something. I thought like that's definitely my career path. Um, you know, I got a job at a music store where I was like selling um, guitars and pianos to people, and I was working with all these other guys at this music store. And uh, you know, I had training in, in um, piano and guitar, uh, like classical training. So and and I really liked writing music. So I had this old tracker software, uh, Scream Tracker, which I used to write uh, mods uh, and and uh, and stuff way back when. And I thought for sure I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to make make music. But then you know a couple of the guys at the that store just told me, you know what, <laughs> you know you could and you could be end up working in the mall like me when you're 35, <laughs> um, or you might be a rock star. I don't know. It's hard to say, but what I the recommendation they gave to me was just go get like a regular job because you can and you have those skills. So go do that, and then if you want to pursue the music still, then pursue music. So I'm fortunate enough that uh, in making uh, my own games, anyways, I'm able to write some music still and and contribute that stuff. So uh, I don't do it professionally, obviously, but um, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Write music. Still a good outlet. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Uh, next question. We're getting a little crazy. Um, have you uh, have you ever seen Escape from L.A.? Escape from L.A. No. Escape from L.A. Okay. Well, it's a it's a it's a Kurt Russell uh, vehicle with, uh, where he plays Snake Plissken, uh, John Carpenter film. Um, okay. At the end of the movie, not to spoil it for everybody, but here it comes. Oh, uh, the end of the movie, he like comes into spoil it, but here's the spoiler. <laughs> every yeah, exactly every single thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really a spoiler. You know, it's spoiler i don't tell you how he gets it but he comes into uh he, he comes to own a uh a remote control for a set of government satellites that are orbiting the planet um that will deliver an emp pulse to send us back to the stone age okay um you receive uh a memo um telling you that it will happen tomorrow what okay. game do you play tonight starcraft one probably yeah hmm. starcraft one Multiplayer against like some sort of Korean pro, if I can. <laughs> you want yeah. it to be over that quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I just love it. You know, at StarCraft One, I, I love StarCraft One, and um, I tried to play it moderately competitively for a Canadian. And um, I have played a couple pros before, and uh, there's just nothing as fun as getting your ass beat by somebody who's so much better than you at this incredibly, incredibly deep game. And um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish I had those days again sometimes because, 
yeah, you know, I just I'm just not that good at video. I mean, I'm still good. Don't get me wrong. I'm still a master level StarCraft two player, but you know, I'm not grandmaster anymore. So it's uh, it's tough to it's tough to have the time to go and be competitive with the, with those people, and uh, that's a really fun scene to be a part of. Now, you said that you were pretty competitive for a Canadian. Is there like a different set of standards that Canada has? No, in fact, way back when, a, a, a Canadian Guillaume Patry was actually kind of the number one StarCraft player uh, in the world, way, way back. But um, no, I mean, just South Korea crushes when it comes to StarCraft. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even really sure why, other than I think, you know, some part of that culture makes it so that uh, uh, people can devote large sums of time to, uh, to being competitive gamers. But uh, yeah, in Canada, you just can't really do that. You know, it's not condoned, it's not part of the culture. Uh, and I think it will become more so as uh, as time goes on. But yeah, so as, as a Canadian, it's tough, I think, to be a, a pro gamer or American or or really anywhere out of uh, outside of uh, a couple of these that are major, major competitive gaming areas in the world. Sure. Absolutely. All right. So final question. So far, you've done you've done all right. Uh, final question. <laughs> uh, when we come to the uh, the end of our lives. Um, and we make our way to the Mushroom Kingdom, and mm. Toad is there to greet us at the gates with a book of our deeds. Yeah. Um, what, what would you like him to say to you? What would Toad say to me? Yeah, I'd hope he'd say, like, uh, you know, you did a good job. You're, uh, I have two kids. So I'd hope he'd say you're a good father to your kids, and you made some awesome games. And Yeah. Right on, man. And the the princess is in your the castle, who's right here. You've probably heard that one before, but I'll I'll, yes. I'll, I'll bust well, that out. Everybody yeah. likes they like to take that easy answer. Yeah, so yeah. No, no, so we'll laugh, just, but then we'll laugh. Say, you know, you had a good life, and you're a good dad, and people liked you, and you liked them, and you're a pretty good person. You didn't really dick anyone around too much. So so thanks. Here here you are. Come on in. Excellent. I like it. That's it. You passed. That's the end game. Well awesome. done. Awesome. Great questions, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is a really great interview. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight and talking about Immortal Empire. Uh, if you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more about your game. Absolutely. You can uh, check out Immortal Empire uh, or our Kickstarter campaign at tacticstudios.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, and um, good luck with the, the rest of the uh, campaign. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.